where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Thanks for joining us on the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you again, audience, for joining us. We are so excited to have you on today's special edition of the Liberty Dispatch. And it's a special edition because we are joined by a very, very special guest, one Dr. Malone. So we are really excited to bring you the interview that we had with Dr. Malone, because I know you will absolutely be blessed by our discussion. And this episode and this interview is brought to you by our friends over at Resistance Coffee Company. Christmas is fast approaching. Tomorrow is December 1st. And you can be certain that all of the woke and statist coffee companies that you despise will be offering cute little gift bags with bitter coffee and mugs that were probably made by forced child labor, all in an effort to take your money and fund their corporate socialism. That's why here at the Liberty Coalition Canada, we are thankful for our friends over at Resistance Coffee. They also have a wonderful gift idea for the holidays. Not only does their coffee taste fantastic, they also use part of your money to fund the fight for freedom and liberty in Canada. Head over to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC and give the gift of coffee. You can purchase a little resistance, two bags of coffee, your choice, a mug of your choice, a resistance gift bag, and some resistance stickers, all for $55 plus free shipping. Or for the more seasoned freedom fighter, you can purchase a lot of resistance, which is four bags of coffee, your choice, two mugs of your choice, a resistance gift bag, and some resistance stickers, all for the low price of $95 plus free shipping. I don't want to sound a little extreme here, but I'll say this. If you really do love those closest to you, you'll give the gift of coffee this holiday season. Buy them some resistance. Go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC to get 10% off your first purchase. And please continue to use that slash LCC even after your first purchase so that they know that we sent you. Go give the gift of coffee. Now, Matt, before we get into our interview with Dr. Robert Malone, we need to talk about something that really just came across our eyes this morning. Yes. Right, so we're filming this Wednesday morning, <laughs> November the 30th, and this was brought to our attention, and we were both completely shocked at the fact that with the exception of the murmurings we heard coming out of Alberta, mm -hmm. no one's been talking about this. No one's Absolutely. been talking about these numbers. This has been utter silence, and so um, as the suspense is building, ooh, what's the thing? What's the numbers? Well, what, <laughs> what we want to do is we want to show our audience – right from stats can so this wasn't taken from you know jim jimmy bob's tin <laughs> tinfoil website right although yeah. technically our federal government is i don't know just as credible if not less credible <laughs> but anyways 
Um, this is taken right from StatsCan. And so StatsCan has been tracking as best as they've got, gotten the information. Uh, all death, all cause mortality across provinces. They track it, you know, month over month, year over year. And what we've done is we've shared the link at the bottom. So you can go, you can see the original source. You can look at other death as well, heart failure, you know, they have. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to distill the information down. And we wanted to show you in 2022 so far. So this is from January 1st to today. In 2022 so far. Here are the deaths by province. We're going to look at total deaths, COVID deaths, and unknown cause of death. And what we'll see is that the unknown cause of death is really, really high. In fact, it is substantially higher than it's ever been before in any of these provinces. And so in many gonna... cases, higher than COVID deaths. And that's... Uh, in that's... most cases. Yes, exactly. In most cases. So what you'll notice here is some of these provinces don't have any numbers. Now, part of that might be that the individual provinces have simply stopped recording, which, like the province of Ontario, stopped recording vaccination status. Sorry, they stopped recording hospitalizations and ICU admission by vaccination status at the end of June of this year, because what they found was 85% of the people in hospitals and ICUs in Ontario were fully vaccinated. So that's a bad look mm -hmm. for the for the jab mandates. So they, they, they pulled that back. So some provinces have stopped tracking data, or they haven't sent it in. But we, we just want to look at some of these numbers, and you're going to notice a trend. And the trend is the amount of unknown causes of death is not only high, but in many cases, it's essentially 100% higher than it was the year before. So again, you can go, you can look at the original source material. You can go and you can, you can segment the graph just to look at 2021. And so mm -hmm. before we get to these numbers, I'll set it up. At the beginning of January, sorry, the beginning of January 2021, by and large, you had, you know, COVID deaths coming in week over week mm -hmm. and unknown causes of death were basically zero, like yeah. zero, in five, most cases, like nothing. It looks if you look at the chart, which again will be linked into the description below, um, you'll see the numbers look as though they're rounded. And what what you'll see is on the on the high end of things, a month will have ten un unknown causes, but for the vast majority of provinces, it's zero, zero, five, zero, week ten. over week, starting yes. on Jan starting January twenty twenty one. And that's when you have the introduction in Canada of the injections. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really old people. It's essential workers. So by the time you start getting into your second dose or the rollout for the broader population, what you'll see on StatsCan website is all of a sudden, unknown causes of death starts just slowly creeping. Mm -hmm. 5, 10, 15, 25 and then by the time you get to the latter part of 2021, there's a skyrocket. It'll go from 25 to 300 or 48 yeah. to five, just these massive leaps and, in and, numbers. And Andrew, it's, it, it should be pointed out as well that going from 25 or, th or to, uh, to 35 from five or 10 at the most is a significant leap in and of itself. But to see the numbers, and it is absolutely shocking to see it go from 10 to 35 to 300 and 400 right. and more in some cases. It blows your mind. And then eventually, in almost every province, 
the unknown causes of death overtakes COVID deaths, and then the disparity keeps growing. You actually see the gap widen. And so that's the end of 2021. So by the time you come to the end of 2021, for most of the provinces, you'll see COVID deaths and unknown deaths are the same, or maybe COVID deaths are more. But what you definitely see at the latter part of 2021 is it's trending in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And the direction it's trending is unknown deaths go up and COVID deaths go down. I'll mm -hmm. also say this and that's just when because my tinfoil hat's on a little bit, but COVID deaths are suspect. We know that. Mm -hmm. We know in Ontario that if if even if you're not tested, if you die without symptoms or it, all these deaths that are lumped in with COVID deaths, it's pretty obscene. Yeah. So we could I would argue that the COVID death number is at the very least only half of what it actually is. And that's a generous, that's a generous half. It's probably yeah. even less than that. And it also should be noted that this graphic that you've put together is deaths in 2022 by province. Many of the this trend that we're tracking started in 2021 with the mass rollout of vaccinations. So what you see here is a not a uh, like a lot of not applicable. And in Manitoba's case, that's because in October 2021, they stopped tracking unknown deaths. They yeah, had the exact why. same <laughs> they had the exact same spike, but they stopped recording unknown deaths at yeah, that time. Yeah, go to the website, frame. click on yeah. the link. You, can you really link have to you look can, at it. <laughs> you can you can mess around. If And by the way, if you if you need help, if you click on the link and you're like, how do I navigate that? Just email us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com, right? The email will come to me. I'll kind of walk you through it. But basically, you can select the range period. So you can go all the way back to 2020. You can break it down by what types of deaths you want to view by province. So we just want to look at some of these numbers and and – we wanted to this again, this came across our computer screen just this morning, and we thought it would be perfect to include with our interview with Dr. Malone. So let's just look at some of these Newfoundland. OK, so you see there the total deaths in Newfoundland so far in 2022 are four thousand two hundred and fifty five of those total deaths. Twenty five are covid deaths. Thirty seven hundred of them are unknown. Thirty seven hundred. If you look at Newfoundland from the previous year, that number was almost non-existent, especially at the beginning, the first half of 2021, mm -hmm. non-existent. It starts to climb. That's so far. Now, unknown deaths. Oh, well, oh, oh, just okay. Let's let's keep moving. Okay, let's keep moving down. <laughs> you have you have Quebec and Ontario, similar amounts of deaths total. You look at COVID deaths. You know, similar, about a thousand deaths difference between them. Unknown deaths. But the simple fact is, these unknown deaths. 3,200 in Quebec, 6,300 in Ontario. That's almost double the COVID deaths. And again, a year ago, this time, these numbers were were significantly smaller than they are now. They were virtually like statistically yeah. insignificant. At, at the beginning of 2021, these were all zero for the yeah. most part. Zero, five maybe per week. Yeah, right? so, so per week at the most. That's an important point to make because there's a lot of people who – you know, in seeing these videos of people collapsing suddenly or dying suddenly, they would say, well, this has always happened. We've always had people die suddenly for unknown reasons. Not a big deal. Yes, given like we'll grant you that. But the numbers, according to Canada's own official statistics, are in the handfuls, not the thousands. 
we're seeing hundredfold increase in 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 these numbers. It, it, it's it's astonishing. Uh, Look at Saskatchewan. So Saskatchewan, half of all total deaths are deaths from unknown causes, and deaths from unknown causes ten times greater than COVID deaths so far this year. Yeah, Alberta. So Alberta's Alberta's crazy because Alberta is half the size of Ontario. And the total unknown deaths is 8,400. So let's let's give some reference here. In 2021, Alberta's unknown cause... Okay, in 2020, let's rewind. We covered this on, on the show. In 2020, unknown causes of death in Alberta was 500 for all of 2020. Yeah. In 2021, unknown causes of death spiked up to 3,500. And was then the number one cause of death in Alberta for and 2021. In that way, Andrew, Alberta was the canary in the coal mine because the reason we looked into these numbers uh, was because Alberta, it was publicly released that the highest, the only one, Alberta, that's right. Yeah, the highest cause of death in, in Alberta for 2021 was unknown. Um, and that was very suspicious. So at 3,500, logically, um, our, our birdies here at the LCC dug into it and said, Hey, I wonder if this is the case for all provinces. <laughs> Thus we came yeah. across these numbers. So last year, unknown causes of death in Alberta were the number one cause of death at 3,500 this year. We're not even done the year. It's more than double, more than double. BC is one of the outliers. In, in terms of unknown causes of death being as low as it is, given the total deaths and the and, and the COVID deaths. So you only have 225. Mm -hmm. You look at the Northwest Territories and Nunavut, same deal, right? Yukon's not in yet. Northwest Territories, you know, almost one third of all the deaths are unknown. And that's essentially triple the COVID deaths. Yeah. And then in Nunavut, not a single COVID death and more than half of all deaths are from unknown causes. Yeah, now, these what, are astonishing numbers. This is like, wild. So, they, and this from stats can we didn't make this up. This no, is I just no. I just pulled this an hour ago. And, and so, what, like I said uh, again, you this is deaths in 2022. So, if you actually look at these numbers, a lot of this trend begins during the the mass vaccine rollout in 2021. So, even those the numbers it's are the more summer damning. of 2021. The summer of 2021 is when when it starts to shift, because that's when you had. Uh, that's when you had people getting their second doses, right? And we covered this as well in another episode, actually in the interview with Dr. Malone, where we're, we're going to see this, where, where we look at life insurance coverage and where we see that the spikes in excess all-cause mortality in the United States mm -hmm. are around first, second, and third doses of the shots. And so, okay, so th that's, that's what we're concluding, right? Matt and I, we're not scientists, but we can read yeah and we can we can we can we can we can examine studies and as we're going to see in our interview with dr malone the old, like what what could be a possible explanation for this let me offer the most reasonable one the spikes in excess deaths the spikes in unknown deaths and when we actually start to see the trend move upward coincide with the introduction of the first second and third shots. And so this is what we are going to conclude that 
The unknown causes are not unknown causes. They are directly related to adverse effects and injuries from the jab, whether that's myocarditis leading to heart failure, whether that's blood clots, whether that's any other number of brain-related injuries because of stroke, that's what this is. It's not. It's not unknown, right? It. It. Th- th- what co- and and it's unknown because oh, why they die all of a sudden? Why is it that so far, ninety-three otherwise healthy doctors between the ages of twenty-five and fifty in Canada have died and collapsed suddenly? More than half of them while they were engaged in heart-intensive cardio activity. What could the, what, what, what could it possibly be? Oh, we don't know what the cause of death is. The cause of death, friends, is the injection. That's the cause of death. That poison is killing people. Mm-hmm. And the more doses they take, especially as they're engaged in heart strenuous activity, which is why athletes are dying, which is why young people playing sports are dying. It's because of this experimental gene therapy injection. And I'll say also here, if you haven't watched yet, we'll link it in the show. You need to watch the two-part interview that Mike did with yes. Deanna McLeod because she digs that. deep into Pfizer safety data and the bivalent boosters. And she shows that they're playing fast and loose with the numbers. But when you actually look at it, the risk of and the rate of myocarditis leading to death in people is is exponentially higher than those same eight, that same age group of people that would die from COVID. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, the numbers are damning and they are shocking. Like when we first saw these numbers, you know, we weren't surprised by this, right? We've been covering this and and the trends and what we've thought the issue is with these experimental gene therapies for a while. But when we actually dug into the numbers, the numbers far exceeded anything that we could have possibly thought. And it's it is so yes, maybe we can't directly link the vaccines from these numbers to to the causation but there's such a strong correlation like you said by the timing of the vaccine rollout to an unprecedented spike in unknown cause of deaths that one would think okay what was this exogenous shock to the Canadian healthcare system that would potentially explain such a unheard of increase in unknown deaths. And that is where we get into, well, what can explain this is the introduction of the mRNA vaccines and these experimental gene therapies. It's not a leap. It really is not a leap. You know what? I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to take it stronger than that, though. And here again, I'm not a scientist, but this is what I'll say. When I survey the last two and a half years, I've noticed a couple things. One thing I've noticed is this: any of the information, the statistics, the data about the case fatality rate for COVID, about uh, you know, Doctor Scott Atlas talking about total years of life lost that come from lockdowns as opposed to just COVID itself the economic consequences of lockdowns. All of this information was was hidden from the legacy media. The, the health bureaucrats, all of the statistics about masks, all of the studies we have, we have studied, we have 20 years worth of studies across 10 different countries that highlight something we've known, that masks don't work for respiratory viruses. The end, full stop, we've known this for two decades. 
So all this information was suppressed and it wasn't brought out into the light. And so early on, anyone who's doing their own research, anyone who's not just feeding a diet of you know C- the CDC and the Canadian Pravda Corporation, you would find, hey, why is it that all they're talking about is a 3% case fatality rate from the Imperial College in London? Why aren't they looking at the fact that at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford, the three, the three places that had doctors that penned the Great Barrington Declaration, they said actually the case fatality rate's more like 0.25 to 0.35, which mm-hmm. is like a bad, bad flu season, which it turned out to be. Or the total years of life lost, Scott Atlas was right. Or the yeah. economic consequences and the people plunged into poverty, they were right as well. So this, th- what I'm going to say is when we look at these numbers, which have not been brought out into the light of day, there's a reason for it. And I'm going to, I'm going to stake my claim like I have with all these other areas over the last two and a half years. And given the trends and given what's been hidden and given the mainstream narrative, this points to the fact that it is those lethal injections that are causing these. And I, all I'm waiting for is to be proven right. Right. The only difference between a conspiracy theory and truth is about six months of time. So I'm just waiting for time. It seems like that window right. is getting less and less too. It's shrinking. I, I'm just I'm just waiting for eventually them to say, oh, yeah, it was this or it eventually it, people will come around. But that's what this is. I'm going to stake that claim there. And mm-hmm. people who are saying, oh, Andrew, you're crazy. All I'll say is, OK, how about the other 15 things that we've been right about for the last two and a half years? Absolutely. Where you said the same thing then. You said the same thing then. You said the same thing then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here we are. These numbers are shocking. They're insane. When we were, fl- my jaw was on the floor. You saw my reaction. Yeah. You went, like, you went like this. You went like this. Your hands were on your head. You, you, were, you, yeah, were, you like, were in shock. Yeah. Because what can explain it? Well, we know. We've said what we think can explain it. And that's why... I know you're all eager for us to get in the interview, but this is bombshell information that we thought needed to precede the discussion that we had um, with Dr. Robert Malone. But but he's going to get into the technologies. He's going to get into his knowledge of those things. So you can hear it right from, you know, the expert in these vaccines of their ineffectiveness and their dangerous, uh, the dangerous nature of them. And we're also going to hear him respond to, despite all this information, Andrew, our elected officials in the highest places in our land are still pushing jab propaganda, and he's going to respond to some of those things as well. So given the the information that we brought to light today, the bombshell news about these statistics and what he's going to say, I think you, our dear listeners, need to share this episode with everybody that you know. Regardless of their stance, we need to get this out to people so we can get truthful information to light and we can have honest conversations because we cannot let this continue and we have to hold people accountable who were responsible for pushing these experimental gene therapies on the Canadian population without proper safety data, without long-term evidence of effectiveness. And we really can't just bury our head in the sands. We need to see heads roll for what has taken place over the last two years. The numbers are shocking. They're damning. And I know you're going to want to hear what Dr. Robert Malone has to say about vaccines. So 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get into the discussion that we had with Dr. Robert Malone. On the Liberty Dispatch, we are often joined by wonderful guests, uh, people who are highly credentialed in their fields, very interesting interviews, and this might be at the tippy top of the list for us. And so Matt and I are thoroughly pleased and honored to have with us Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, let's tell you a little bit about Robert Malone, because if you don't know who he is and you're not familiar with his work and what he's been saying and doing for the last two and a half years, then it's probably because you've received nothing but a steady diet of lies from the legacy media. So Dr. Malone is an internationally recognized scientist and physician and the original inventor of the mRNA as technology, DNA injections, and multiple non-viral DNA and RNA, mRNA platform delivery technologies. He holds numerous fundamental and fundamental domestic and foreign patents in the fields of gene delivery, delivery formulations, and vaccines, including for fundamental DNA and RNA, mRNA technologies. He has been an invited speaker around 100 conferences and has chaired and been a keynote speaker at numerous conferences, and he has sat on or served as chairperson on HHS and DOD committees, that's Health and, Human Service, Health and Human Services and Department of Defense for our Canadian audience. He received his medical degree from the Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine. He completed the Harvard Medical School Fellowship as a global clinical research scholar in 2016 and was scientifically trained at the University of California at Davis, the University of California at San Diego, and at the Salk Institute of Molecular Biology and Virology Laboratories. He has served as an assistant and associate professor of pathology and surgery at the University of California at Davis, the University of Maryland, and the Armed Forces University of the Health Ooh. Sciences. And most prestigious of all, he has now appeared on the Liberty <laughs> Dispatch. Dr. Malone, it very much, I'll get personal here for a bit. I'm, I'm very much pleased and honored to have you on the dispatch. You have been a source of sanity and reason and measured scientific evidence and statistics cutting against the mainstream narrative that has been good for my sanity and good as I'm helping others to make sense of what's actually going on and how to respond to what's happening in our world. So on behalf of our audience and Matt and myself in a very mm -hmm. real way, Amen. thank you very much for joining us on the Liberty Dispatch. Well, thanks, Andrew and Matt, and, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk to your audience, eh? <laughs> well, Dr. Malone, we, uh, we, we want to get right up the top and get some, of the, get some of the dumpster fire out of the way. As we read your bio, we read that you had a huge hand in the creation of the mRNA technology. And so what I want to do is I want to address some of the, what I would say are lies and slander that have been leveled against you to discredit you. And so Wikipedia, the bastion of encyclopedic integrity, <laughs> says this about you. While Malone promotes himself as an inventor of mRNA vaccines, credit for the distinction is more often given to the lead authors on the major papers he contributed to. 
during the COVID-19 pandemic, Malone has promoted misinformation about the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. And the New York Times, as Andrew Clavin would say, a former <laughs> newspaper, says this. While he, that's yourself, Dr. Malone, was involved in some early research into the technology, his role in its creation was minimal at best. Dr. Malone, can you please put this slanderous garbage to bed and uh, address it for our audience once and for all? Yeah, it sounds like my Wikipedia page continues to be edited uh, based on what <laughs> you just read. Um, I had heard that it was locked down. I have not had to go over this topic now for at least about six months. It's pretty well put to rest. A lot of those attacks were levied at a time when there was a very active lobbying campaign uh, to support uh, BioNTech Vice President Kitty Carrico, who, by the way, is a former Hungarian spy, and Drew Weissman, who is a former Tony, post Tony Fauci postdoc, who were trying very actively and were supported very actively by UPenn and by uh, Pharma to get the Nobel Prize. And uh, there was high expectations that they would. They have received uh, numerous prizes like the Lasker Award, etc. But they did their work a full decade after I did mine, which resulted in nine issued U.S. patents with my name on them. And I filed the original invention disclosures I was the person that developed the process for manufacturing large quantities of RNA that's still used. I was the one that first implemented the use of the luciferase or P. pyrolis, firefly luciferase reporter protein, in order to test and optimize the system, which has still been used in the non-clinical packages for Pfizer and Moderna. Um, and... Uh, and I had many other subsequent uh, discoveries, uh, marketed products, etc. since those nine patents. The um, uh, campaign really has lost steam. Uh, and uh, you may recall in this last round of Nobel Prize uh, advocacy, um, there was no mention of Carrico and Weissman at all and uh, no promotion of this. The, the, um, the thing, the unfortunate truth is that there's a school of thought that if you want to get the Nobel, which would have been very helpful as a marketing um, klatchki for uh, the likes of Pfizer, um, and also uh, for UPenn, where both of them worked, uh, there is a school of thought that you have to have a coordinated press campaign to influence the uh, selection committee. And uh, fortunately, I have a friend uh, from many, many years ago uh, that actually asked me to travel and visit him in the mid-90s uh, um, uh, at the Karolinska, uh, specifically because of the work that I had done before Carrico and Weissman were ever on the picture. Um, ever in, in the frame. And uh, um, so I called him up and I said, you know, I'm getting a lot of advice that I need to push back about this and I need to launch my own campaign, etc. And uh, he said, look, Robert, uh, they already know. Uh, and they've already reviewed Carrico and Weissman's claims. They do not merit a Nobel. Uh, and it's now known by the committee that you were the first that did all this work. Um, what what the what happened, I think, in reconstructing, because there's been a Freedom of Information Act now, 
that has revealed a correspondence between the Atlantic Monthly, which was one of the first um, really hard-hitting um, defamatory attack pieces long before the New York Times. Uh, correspondence between the Atlantic Monthly and uh, Tony Fauci's office directly. Uh, Tony Fauci at NIAID has a press office staffed by over 60 people. Uh, so that's part of why he can control media um, so exquisitely as he does. And uh, whoever the bean counters were, um, uh, I had made the assertion that I've met Tony Fauci, which I have. I went there with a gentleman named Cecil Fox of molecular histology many years ago and met with him, um, a pathologist that I was uh, kind of teamed with. And I've known him for many years uh, as a you know, public figure in, in the scientific meetings that I go to, et cetera. So um, Atlantic pinged uh, Nyad Press. Uh, Nyad Press um, uh, pinged Tony. Tony said, who is he? I mean, this, all this, this is now, it's not public yet, but it's, it's been foiled and revealed. Um, and Nyad Press comes back and says, well, he had a couple of papers early on, but then nothing else which is a, a full-on falsehood. Um, you know, I, I created the company Inovio, um, uh, which is a um, pulsed electrical field-based uh, delivery of polynucleotides and was very involved in creation of that tech. Uh, I have many, many patents in this area, uh, but it's what the press office came back to Tony, and then Tony responds and says, oh, no, I don't know him. And I think that's what got back to the Atlantic Monthly and set this whole thing in motion that I only had these two papers. What the press has done, and you'll notice, you know, I have to be a little cautious because we've sent a cease and desist, and we may well um, file a defamation against the New York Times. Um, but uh, Davy Alba, who's the uh, author of that piece that you're citing, uh, was specifically hired by the New York Times apparently under federal U.S. money um, as a specialist in dis and misinformation. The article that she put out about me was her last article. The money ran out from the feds, and she was let go from the New York Times. She no longer works there. Um, uh, she, I, she had um, uniquely detailed information about the CIA when, I, when she met with us, um, which was really surprising as somebody who's interacted with a lot of CIA folks. Very few people have that level of granular awareness. Um, so uh, it, the appearance is that she was hired specifically to do a takedown piece, and we offered to show her the patents, and uh, she refused to review them, and she didn't cite them. Um, so she stuck to the party line. In terms of the Wikipedia page, um, what's fascinating is that most of that editing has been done by a sock puppet named Philip Cross. Uh, Philip Cross apparently has been tracked down as a pseudonym that's used by British intelligence. And pseudo, uh, Philip Cross is, quote-unquote, is amazingly prolific. He seems to work seven days a week, uh, pretty much 24 hours a day, and um, is responsible for editing most of anything that has anything to do with uh, ivermectin. Uh, and ivermectin as a treatment uh, for COVID, uh, hydroxychloroquine, any of the docs. You know, what's almost remarkable now about Wikipedia is uh, if you see people that are associated with the medical freedom movement, um, almost all of the 
the valid ones have been uh, defamed and slandered and, and had their CVs rewritten in this, in this kind of scurrilous way by Wikipedia and often by Philip Cross. The ones that ha- haven't, frankly, are the ones that I'm suspect of now at this point because pretty much everybody, uh, except for very few, and I, I won't name names, but there's a couple that um, a lot of us have our eyes on. Uh, you know, the, so uh, Philip Cross took what was a benign recitation of my papers and patents, and others have jumped on board uh, and rewritten it in this way uh, to uh, um, discredit me. And uh, later on, we might talk about this new publication that came out in Minerva, uh, I think is the name of the, the uh, journal, uh, just on the first in which there was a, a deep dive academically into the strategies that were used to, uh, let's see, make sure I got the name of the journal right. Yeah, Minerva, I got it correctly. Um, it does a deep dive into the strategies that were used to attack, defame, uh, demoralize, censor, um, deplatform, et cetera. Any of the people that had a significant leader role leadership role in the medical freedom movement. So this, what you're observing there is the footprints of a coordinated attack. Uh, what's not known is it is who is capitalizing that attack. And it's not just me. It's not about me. It's been, it's global. It's been uh, pretty much all the docs uh, and anyone who's spoken out with, you know, any kind of a listener viewership uh, and um, Mercola is a great example. Bobby Kennedy's another example. Um, uh, you've had McCullough on, I believe you said. Uh, um, Pierre Corey, Paul Merrick, uh, just goes on and on and on. Um, so, uh, and and it's not just in the states, and it's not just in Canada. And I and I don't even want to talk about the, what's happened to my Canadian physician friends. Uh, they don't want me to talk because the government there has been so overbearing. Uh, you know, breaking into people's offices and other things. Uh, um, you know, Byron Bridal is is a great uh, colleague, uh, warrior, truth teller, has been absolutely correct. Yeah, and and uh, another one that's been subjected to this kind of stuff. And what's important to understand is this is a coordinated strategy. Um, it follows a known script and plan. Um, that is a, a kind of a, a strategy and tactics that have been developed over decades and have been well documented in the literature in the past uh, prior to this outbreak as kind of uh, normative. Uh, anytime large industry, and particularly pharma, uh, finds that they're up against some sort of a movement that uh, is not in their financial best interest, uh, they deploy these tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Malone, I just want to ask a question that just when you're talking about all these machinations behind the scenes to defame you, uh, just a gigantic um, example of <laughs> of the informal fallacy of ad hominem attacks, right? They can't deal with the argumentation with what you're actually saying, so they actually try and discredit your person, uh, which is a, a logical fallacy. Um 
I'm sure Thank you. you yeah. I, let's, let's give yeah. a shout out. A shout out to the website. Your logical fallacy is. Yeah. Um, let's do it and get educated, people. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Because if if people were more educated on this, they would be able to see. Okay, you're not dealing with the actual argument. You're you're attacking the person. That's an informal logical fallacy. Try again. Try better. Do better. But yet alone, yet again, they have tons of funding and and a big organizations behind them in order I think to do if that. If I can quote my friend uh, um, Steve Bannon, they're flooding mm -hmm. the zone with shit. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, that's apropos. Fair. That's so accurate. I, so yep. this is a, a, a question that's off script that just comes to my mind as you're talking. I'm sure you know you patented a bunch of different technologies. You've been in the game. I'm sure you've dealt with big scientific bureaucracies your whole life. I'm a specialist We're, in it. That is my yes. that has been my <laughs> consulting business is making mm -hmm. these big kludgy bureaucracies actually work. They've gotten so yeah. unwieldy. They need people like me that can uh, work in the cracks between industry and science <laughs> yeah. and government to make things work. That's what I do for a, a living or a, used to. Absolutely. So <laughs> I'm sure you were well aware of a lot of these machinations, a lot of the, the political games that were going on behind the scenes before COVID. But did anything surprise you over the last two and a half years? Or is this just something that you've been seeing forever? Groupthink in the medical industry, unbelievable lobbying power uh, by pharmaceutical companies and just um, total lockstep uh, between these government agencies and our, our elected officials. Is that something that even surprised you how coordinated it was? Or is that something that you're like, this is old hat. I have, I, I already have the t-shirt and this is why I'm responding in the way that I have. No. So, uh, I've been at the tip of the spear in many, many outbreaks. Um, I was at the forefront of bringing, I'll give another shout out to uh, O Canada. Um, uh, I was at the forefront of bringing forward the Public Health Agency Canada product called RVSVZBOV, um, was the acronym, uh, which had been purchased uh, from the Canadian government in their beneficence for $150,000 by a company in the U.S. named New Link Genetics. Um, this was the Ebola vaccine that was eventually licensed to Merck. And uh, Department of Defense asked me to kind of li almost literally parachute into Ames, Iowa and help this uh, company that had no real core competency in vaccines but had the intellectual property rights for this Canadian product um, that had already been manufactured under GMP conditions, had uh, all, the whole package ready. And, um, and, I, and I pulled that forward. I had multiple meetings at the World Health Organization for that. And I was the one that recruited Merck in to uh, purchase it from New Link and um, then was involved in enabling the funding for the Norwegian government for the ring vaccination trials. Point being, that was the first West African major Ebola outbreak. I've been through so many of these influenza. I cut my teeth in the early days of AIDS. So uh, neither me nor my colleagues in industry nor the government have ever seen anything like this in our lives. The globally coordinated propaganda 
entities like the Trusted News Initiative, um, the uh, globally coordinated attacks playing off the same exact script, uh, the um, uh, harmonized uh, responses from uh, regulatory authorities uh, and, and willingness to look the other way uh, and, and allow you know, overt breaches of international norms. None of us have ever seen anything like this. It's been shocking. Um, and the, you know, the, awe, the shock and awe of it, of what they ruled out, has been profound. It's, for the first nine months, it left all of us kind of um, shell-shocked, really. I mean, like, whoa, what is going on here? This makes no sense at all. Now we're all kind of all over the world starting to uh, catch on. And, and um, I'm sure you guys have played a role in that. I've played a role in that. Byram has played a role in that. So many others have trying to wake up as opposed to make woke uh, the general populace uh, and help them to understand what's being done to them. And then uh, for me, uh, my recent journey has been uh, over the last, really since last fall, but particularly since December, to build this book uh, called The Lies My Government Told Me in the Better Times Ahead, which is right now at the typesetter. Um, under Skyhorse Publishing label uh, um, and Children's Health Defense, and hopefully will come out as an ebook fairly soon, and then be available f uh, in paperback uh, um, so that it'll be shipped before Christmas. But not to push the book, but you know, I got guy's got to do what he's got to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> there we go. Um, so, uh, a hundred dollar value, um, autographed copy. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I could fund this uh, channel here for another six months. Um, <laughs> buy a new mic. <laughs> um, okay. So in any case, the, the book is a journey of trying to make sense out of what has happened. Um, and it has, in the first section, a group of first-person anecdotes from people like Pierre and Paul and so many others, Ed Dowd. Uh, in the second part, it has a lot of what I call the diagnosis, really synthesis of what, what has been going on kind of under the hood. Uh, and that gets into the World Economic Forum, uh, the various economic drivers, the um, propaganda and censorship campaigns, uh, the press. Specifically, talk. there's a chapter about the New York Times, uh, so thanks for shouting out about that. Uh, and, um, and so many other things. And then the last part is about how do we move forward. Uh, and um, that's a series of essays that largely we could say focus on the need for decentralization as a counterpoint to um, globalization, uh, which I know that uh, there in the uh, um, former free state of Canada, uh, you are you are subjected to uh, the um, overlords of the World Economic Forum and their surrogates. Their half our federal cabinet are graduates of the Young Leaders Program so, at the WEF. Yeah. Um, by the way, thank you for that uh, doxing document. I, a lot of people don't know about that, but when I saw it, I actually shared yeah. it with Matt, and I've shared it with people, and I've said, go take mm -hmm. a look 
at the number of people in Canada. And this is this is this is MPs, MPPs, premiers, our prime minister. This is people who sit at the highest levels in the business world, in the agriculture world, in the technology world, in an industry. And it's a lot. Of, I mean, Canada's. I mean, for the country our size, the number of people who occupy rather powerful positions and have for the last ten years, who graduated from yeah. this program, I, I, is fairly disturbing. And that's yeah. just one country. Well, Canada in particular, so has been. Um, and Klaus Schwab is quite proud of it. He brags about the fact that he's infiltrated Canada. Um, and just the other day, I don't know if you noticed the quid pro quo that was announced. Canada has been designation, designated as the world hub for pharmaceutical manufacturing. Mm. <laughs> Should we be surprised they're trying to ram these jabs into all the arms and down our throats and whatever? Yeah, so, um, so thanks for that shout-out, Andrew. And, and just to wrap the put that with a bow tie, um, that uh, detailed spreadsheet that took us about two months to build uh, – is available at maloneinstitute.org, uh, and anybody can download it, search it, uh, revise it, twist it, do whatever they want to do. It's a standard Excel spreadsheet, and have at it. Absolutely. We're appreciative. So, Dr. Malone, thank you for – thanks for dispelling all the – like, it's slander. It's just utter lies. Thank you for mm -hmm. addressing that, and thank you for um, setting up the discussion we want to have. And, and I, I will say this as well as a side note. Um, Mike Thiessen, who's also with Liberty Coalition Canada, his show, Open Mic with Mike Thiessen, he does longer form interviews with guests one-on-one. -on -one, and Mike wanted to make sure that I say he would love to have you on his show specifically to talk about some of what you've just addressed, specifically propagandas, globalist agenda, really what we're seeing in the media, this coordinated effort and attack. Um, I know Mike would eat that up. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad you brought all that up because that ties nicely into really what we wanted to get you on the show for today, which was in Canada and also in the United States, but really here, there is this in-concert effort right now among the legacy media, the elected officials, the unelected health bureaucrats, as if to say everyone needs to be very scared. There is, as our provincial chief medical officer says, a triple threat coming into this season. There's the flu, there's COVID, and then there's this child immunity or child respiratory mm -hmm. disease as well. And so we need to be very scared. And yeah. so everyone, more, make sure you get your point. third, fourth, and fifth booster. Um, yeah. So Andrew, exactly. Andrew, let me just... And also masks yeah, need course, to be come back no again. Of course, which have no effect on uh, respiratory viruses. Um, uh, <laughs> But very good on um, demonstrating uh, tribal affiliation, et cetera. Um, yes. <laughs> I, one thing I want to sh also shout out about, I think it was two days ago, published in the Brownstone Institute. There's an uh, article that is really catching fire right now that documents that uh, the agency that has really been driving the COVID response in the United States, you would think is Health and Human Services, Right. But you would be wrong. It's the Department of Homeland Security. So, yep. so we it's now DHS. have documentation that that it's really been um, the internal um, U.S. Uh, surveillance uh, intelligence organization, which is branded specifically misdis and malinformation as domestic terrorism in the United States, and specifically called out uh, vaccine uh, resistance as an example of uh, domestic terrorism. Um, 
and asserted that uh, vaccine, there was vaccine resistance movement is associated with violence, which I'm not aware. It's, it's very much akin to the strategy that Mr. Trudeau and his, his ministers deployed against the Canadian truckers, uh, which, you know, is also now documented that um, they developed that strategy to defame the Canadian truckers before they ever made it into the city. Um, yep. <laughs> have you been following the public inquiry at all into the invoking of the War Measures Act here? We're just, just in the throes bit. of yeah. a public mm. hearing, just talking like all the stuff is coming out now. It's a very bad look for the federal government. It, it, it's clearly there was malintent and premeditated disinformation and an unwillingness to actually deal with it and, in a peaceful and it, way that, that they had one goal in mind, which was this. And to it was go, coordinated to too. legacy media was working in lockstep with government officials and their um, staffers. And, you know, when we talk about lockstep, the DHS, what it, what just came out, they were working in lockstep with big tech. So we're seeing all these it's all narratives, the same strategies. All, that's that's it, the thing. The that's what I'm saying. It's global. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah, in France, absolutely. it's in the UK, it's in Germany, it's in Austria, it's in Italy, mm -hmm. it's in Latin America. The only place that was really spared uh, was China because they were already there. I mean, this is the Chinese solution. This is importation of the Chinese solution and the Chinese strategy in the West. And um, I'm now of the opinion that it is one of the greatest um, uh, coups uh, on the part of a hostile power um, in the Sun Tzu sense of, you know, if you can uh, overcome your enemy without um, firing a shot, basically, uh, they've, they've achieved it. They've caused the West to shut down um, uh, through a variety of strategies. And uh, somehow the West was willing to accept um, the uh, CCP-like strategies of propaganda, harassment, defamation, um, censorship, blah, 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 all that stuff. And it's really Absolutely. been deployed globally. And the lockdowns. The lockdowns are right lockdowns. on the Jinping's yeah, play. But Naomi Wolf broke that in her substack. The the connections between not just Pfizer and China and the suppression of information, but the whole lockdown strategy, that is a CCP strategy. Yeah, and and the Brownstone Institute did a did an article on it as well. How that really got filtered in through Italy picked it up first, and then Italy was the first Western nation to put it in, and then they were the predicate for other Western nations adopting this lockdown policy as well. So we can see that coordinated effort. We we have the receipts. We know that this sort of stuff is going on. And on that subject of coordinated efforts, of propaganda, of CCP-style nonsense, we want to play you some clips, Dr. Malone, to get your reaction to some of the things that Canadian public health officials have been saying. Because... They've been trying to inculcate this this idea, this fear porn, this this new sensibility into Canada. And I think so many Canadians know that what they're hearing isn't wrong, but they don't have the acumen. They don't have the expertise. They don't have the background. Is it wrong do. or isn't Can right? Is isn't right. Sorry. Yes. What they're hearing isn't right, but they don't have that background. They don't have that acumen that you do to 
to maybe answer the fool according to his folly. So we wanted to play a couple clips and then maybe you could just respond, react to what you're hearing from not some of our public health officials, but then also some literal state funded propaganda from our government. So I want to play you the first clip, Dr. Malone, um, of Dr. Kieran Moore. Uh, he's he's there in he's the chief public health officer he's in Ontario. Guy. And this is his comments concerning masks and injections. And we just want to get your response. Joining me now is Dr. Kieran Moore, Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health. Let's get straight to it. You raised a lot of eyebrows yesterday when you suggested that mask mandates may return. I absolutely hope we don't have to get there. There are still actions that Canadians, Ontarians can take to try to prevent this surge. Uh, uh, my main message was, please, we have a narrow window to get immunized for influenza. The next two weeks are really critical. If we as citizens are going to blunt the effect of these viruses on our communities, you can get your COVID booster, which is bivalent, which has great protection uh, against the circulating COVID strains. The influenza vaccine is available to all Ontarians. Uh, please come forward and get protected as soon as you can. That's our key message. Yeah. So let's let's take that apart. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, so, please. so let, let's. Uh, I didn't let, bring popcorn. Let's, let's I didn't bring popcorn. That. I just have let's my coffee. Approach that let's go. As what it is? It's it's propaganda. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so let's let's approach it as what it is. What he has said. We need you need to look for the subtext. What he has said is, if you don't start wearing, if you don't take your jab, these two jabs. Okay then we're going to force you to wear masks. And the implication is that we can go down that whole slippery slope all the way to lockup um, if we want to at any moment because the courts have allowed us to do it. I mean, one of your big problems mm -hmm. there in Canada is that your courts, your legal system seems to be corrupted. Um, it's, not oh, just, yeah. it's not just your legislature. I think seems to be yeah. as an no, understatement. That's, that's what I, definitely, that's it's, what it's I observe. Full of, it's, it's full of Marxist, that's, far left activist what I, what judges from, from top to bottom. Um, mm -hmm. Based on the, the uh, determinations that I'm hearing. Um, so he's saying, if you don't get your jabs, people, um, we have punitive measures that we can impose on you. And one of those is masks. And I hope that you will comply and take these jabs. Otherwise, we will have to... Um, uh, intervene with your personal freedoms. Okay, so that's that's that subtext. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk a minute about these two uh, RNA respiratory viruses. There's actually three. There's an influenza A and influenza B, and there's actually multiple coronaviruses. There's the regular circulating cold coronaviruses, and there's the various strains, and uh, the latest Omicron has become dominant and pretty much forced all other SARS-CoV-2s out of the population. Um, so just by, you know, evolutionary competition. Uh, the data have been quite clear for a long time now, um, both with flu historically and also over the last uh, year with the first major publication coming out in January of 2022 in the journal called Cell from a group at Stanford documenting um, what's called immune imprinting. Immune imprinting, otherwise known as original antigenic sin, is well-documented in people who receive multiple influenza jabs and now in people who receive multiple uh, 
genetic vaccines for uh, the SARS-CoV-2 variants. Um, there are very strong papers showing that immune imprinting results in an effectiveness of vaccination that is quite low. In the case of flu last year, I think it was about 18% effectiveness. So this policy of repeated inoculation with a uh, vaccine for a RNA respiratory virus that evolves quite quickly um, has this fundamental problem that your immune system, uh, I use the metaphor often, it's akin to the French army uh, preparing for World War II uh, in that uh, they, they created the Maginot Line, which of course could not possibly be overwhelmed um, unless uh, you had a new German rebuilt military with panzer tanks and Luftwaffe, and uh, they just blew right through it, right? Um, so your immune system, uh, like any army, is always best prepared to fight the last war. And what happens when you repeatedly inoculate, particularly with a vaccine that is uh, mismatched, so in the case of the coronavirus, it's as if you were inoculating somebody with an influenza virus vaccine from three years ago, because we all understand that influenza drifts and shifts. And what that does is it drives your immune response to be increasingly narrow in its recognition of the uh, key proteins. Uh, here's another immunology word, antigens, uh, that are present on that virus that are part of that vaccine. And it trains your immune system to respond just to those as opposed to the full breadth of uh, antigens, immunologic proteins and protein fragments that exist in the intact virus, which is, by the way, as an aside, one of the key reasons why natural immunity is more effective and more durable than uh, these uh, very narrowly focused vaccine-induced responses. In the case of the uh, coronavirus, uh, you, the, your, your minister was speaking of the bivalent, and that was just a flat-out lie that these are uh, effective. They're not only not safe, they're not effective. The data are already in. There are multiple peer-reviewed publications, and you can just look at the um, rich uh, list of people such as uh, Rochelle Walensky, Tony Fauci, Joe Biden, so many others that have been uh, multiply inoculated and have received these uh, bivalent booster, quote unquote, or the White House insists it's a new vaccine, um, even though the FDA says otherwise, uh, and still have become infected. And not only are they infected, but then if they take Paxlovid, typically um, they have a um, resurgence of the virus, meaning the, the virus is resistant enough uh, to their normal immune systems that uh, um, even with Paxlovid, it knocks it down below detection, but then when they stop the drug, it comes back again. Um, what's underneath this, the ugly underneath this, is that there's not just the problem of immune imprinting or training your immune system to fight yesterday's battles, um, but there's also now growing evidence of a different kind of antibody-dependent enhancement, which
which of course was the thing that tanked all of the prior coronavirus vaccine campaigns and that the FDA was specifically warning about. Um, and from all over the world, the data are coming in quite clear that um, it is the, the your your probability of being hospitalized or dying is highest um, as a function of the number of inoculations you've taken. So as the meme, uh, famous meme likes to point out, uh, um, it's not the unvaccinated naturally immune that are ending up in the hospitals and dying. It's the vaccinated that are ending up in the hospitals or dying with COVID. Whether or not they're dying of COVID is another thing. Then in terms of the, so, so uh, going back to flu a little bit, um, flu has, there's been some tricks played with the influenza mortality over time. And uh, we now can see how these public health agencies manipulate information. And this is not a conspiracy theory. It's published in the New York Times. It came out in the CDC's own internal reports. The CDC has become a political organization, just as I think your public health has. Um, based on what I just saw. Uh, so the, the real truth underlying influenza is the mortality has been grossly inflated. To the extent that it is influenza mortality, it's almost exclusively in the elderly or in people who are significantly compromised in some way, just the same as we've all learned is the case with coronavirus. Um, and... Uh, the CDC appears to have done a little slate of hand where they are assuming all pneumonia deaths are influenza deaths. That is absolutely not true. Most of those, those pneumonia deaths are actually bacterial in the elderly. They're aspiration pneumonia and things like that. But they classify all pneumonia deaths, particularly in the elderly, as influenza deaths. So that jacks up the threat, okay? Now, uh, what's the market driver? Why would they want to do that? It, it appears, and I, I know this directly because I used to work for companies and I was very involved for you know decades in the influenza vaccine business. Um, the logic that's promoted in influenza is that uh, 1918 H1N1 was the big bad one. And it could come back at any time out of the jungles or, you know, out of the uh, hog farms of, of um, uh, China, uh, et cetera, okay? Um, and so you should be very afraid of uh, H1N1 and what happened in uh, the, quote, Spanish flu outbreak that probably actually originated in the Midwest of the United States. Um, that was another propaganda campaign, by the way, labeling it Spanish flu. Um, and the Spanish flu, quote unquote, was probably the data right now are that it was a mixed bacterial and viral infection. And by the way, there are data suggesting that it's exacerbated by max mask use um, because you're rebreathing the pathogen mix, just as we've all been talking about. If I might interject there, I remember actually someone sharing an article that was written by Dr. Fauci, and this was decades ago where they specifically said that, that the large number of the deaths from 
the Spanish flu were actually it was actually bacterial and they tied it specifically to mask wearing and the growth of bacteria and that it was Fauci that said this yeah. like 20 years ago and you yeah, can actually find, these, you can find this paper online. And that's one of them. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but here's the way this goes, okay? It, it's important to remember that there is a massive uh, biotechnology, um, biodefense industrial complex that, with a military component behind all of this. Okay, this is a huge industry now, and they need cash. They get their cash from governments and from places like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and, and uh, from governments to WHO and then back and that kind of stuff. But the, way, the justification for forcing annual influenza vaccines, um, immune imprinting be damned, is that we have to maintain what's called warm base manufacturing capacity. In other words, we have to create an artificial market for an influenza vaccine product so that we can maintain the capacity to manufacture an influenza vaccine and to make sure that capacity is fully capable of manufacturing it on short notice in case um, the the big bad one happens um and so what what you're hearing in this it is fear porn what you just heard um and it is clearly propaganda it is clearly not data-based um uh and uh what's going on here is um multi-layered uh and um and it is absolutely not good public health policy in terms of protecting you and your children and um, arguably even protecting your actual health or, you know, it's protecting shareholders. Uh, it's protecting an industry, um, but it's not protecting the health of you and your children. And, uh, it, you know, we can argue about whether or not it's protecting the health of your elderly. Um, there is some fascinating data out now um, uh, that I've uh, covered um, in my substack uh, from Theo Shooters, uh, a Dutch virologist, immunologist, who has done the deep dive of, because in that country they do uh, vaccination campaign waves in the elderly, Okay, so it's small enough. They have a public health system that's efficient enough. They can basically go out and, and inoculate everybody in um, elder care facilities um, in a very short time window, a couple of weeks. And they do that. Um, and then what Teo's done is he has then taken from separate government databases all-cause mortality. And then he has corrected for excess all-cause mortality because it's baseline, people die, particularly in that age cohort. Um, and then he's correlated the waves of all-cause mortality he observes. He's lined them up on a timeline with the waves of vaccination. And lo and behold, repeatedly, again and again and again, in these, this elderly cohort, you see excess all-cause mortality waves following the vaccine campaign waves with an offset of about two weeks. Um, we just covered that in our last episode. We actually showed the excess deaths in the United States, and the data seems to suggest that the highest amount of excess deaths in the United States come 
just shortly after the introduction of the first COVID injection. And then curiously enough, after the third COVID injection, that those seem to be the greatest peaks in excess deaths in the United States. Um, and you're just confirming that that's, that's essentially worldwide the case where you see these waves as it's introduced and into the, a population. The, the one caveat um, about the all-cause mortality insurance actuarial data, which is probably what you're referring to, in the United States, because the CDC data is is just junk, um, is the, but the uh, the actuaries, the insurance actuaries, keep solid data because their livelihood, excuse me, depends on it. Um, so we have another, we have multiple other overlaying phenomena that are occurring in the United States, and one of them is uh, the lockdowns, of course have had long-term psychological impact with the economic damage and everything else. Um, you know, you can apparently equate for every one point drop, um, or one point increase in inflation. There's that corresponds to tens of thousands of excess deaths. Um, uh, so it's just known, but, uh, one of the big problems in addition to suicide and other things, um, deferred medical care, um, is the flood of fentanyl coming across the southern border right now, unrestricted, almost all made in, in China. And uh, the data are quite clear that the number of fentanyl-associated deaths right now on a daily basis are exceeding the number of COVID-related deaths. So I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, being uh, balanced here, uh, because we're, we're the team that believes in data, uh, that... Um, we have to acknowledge that these all-cause mortality signals can be a little complicated, and um, we have these other overlaying problems that are um, existing concurrently. But the stuff like what Teo Shooters did, that's pretty clean. Our audience uh, will also be interested to know that Dr. Kieran Moore, that we just heard from, also happens to sit on Pfizer's advisory council for Lyme disease. So... I'm sure there's no conflict of interest that he continues to push multiple shots and makes us afraid. So I thought it'd be good for our audience to know that. I'm not claiming he's corrupt or anything. I'm just saying that's the reality. Matt, do you want to cue up the next clip? Absolutely. Here's from our wonderful Prime Minister, the Right Honorable Justin Trudeau. I think one of the things to remember is flu season approaches is people have got to get vaccinated. Uh, whether it's getting the flu vaccine or getting up to date in your COVID shots. Uh, there are actually uh, new formulations out now that are, are up to date to cover both Omicron and the original uh, strain of, of COVID. Uh, and we encourage everyone to get those vaccinations, uh, to keep pressure off of our hospitals, of our frontline heroes who are working so hard uh, to keep people safe but also keep pressures off of our economy and communities. If we're able to get a high enough level of vaccination, we reduce uh, the danger of needing to take other health measures to make sure that we're all safe and not overloading our hospitals. <laughs> There's that subtext again, Dr. Malone. <laughs> so what you just saw was a rollout of the same uh, tested propaganda messaging that was deployed last fall. And uh, what's fascinating about this uh, is uh, those in uh, the northern, northern hemisphere, northern climes like Canada, the real problem, the data suggest, is that up there, 
um, Canadians, uh, folks in the UK, Northern Europe, as as the hours of uh, effective sunlight decrease, your vitamin D levels crash. And um, what the data indicate is that if they were to advocate, and peop, this isn't things that you can use as individuals, get your vitamin D levels checked. Keep them above 50 nanograms per mil. Um, that is going to make a huge impact. Now, kind of dissecting what uh, Mr. Trudeau just said. Number one, as we just said, the bivalent uh, vaccine products are for Wuhan 1, which is driving further the immune imprinting problem, which is well documented, and an Omicron strain, which has largely already been displaced. So it's not actually up to date. It's already out of date. Um, the influenza that he's talking, and the effectiveness of those, by the way, will never get you to herd immunity, which is what he's implying. If you all just mind your manners and take your, um, take your medicine, uh, then we won't have circulation of these viruses. That's, I don't know how else to say it. That's a lie. That is a proven lie. Okay, it's a proven lie for the influenza vaccines, which have 20% or less effectiveness, field effectiveness. And it's a proven lie for the um, uh, polynucleotide-based COVID vaccines. And uh, those COVID vaccines in particular have non-trivial adverse events. They're actually quite significant. Uh, there's a paper out that... If you just monitor cardiac troponin, a enzyme released by damaged heart muscle, after taking the RNA inoculations, virtually 100% of patients have an elevated cardiac troponin level. That does not mean they have myocarditis clinically, but they have measurable cardiac damage. Um, the myocarditis is just one of the adverse events. Of course, the tinnitus, brain fog, um, neuropathy, coagulopathy, you know, the small blood clots, the large blood clots, it, it goes on and on and on. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what else to say. Mr. Trudeau is, is either well-informed and he's a liar, or he doesn't know what he's talking about. The, my vote's on the first one. Personally. Is there a both-end option? He doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about, yeah. but he's gotten yeah. a script and he's okay no, at the, reading the, that because yeah. he's the, a drama the teacher. Third option, the third option is that the WE, his WEF handlers just give him the cue card to read. And, and, and I think, it. so Andrew, actually, you, you know, you say that as, a, as if it's tongue-in-cheek, but when you see the coordinated messaging with these false narratives mm -hmm. in Australia, New Zealand, uh, California, um, uh, Gavin Newsom is another WEF-trained uh, young leader, um, uh, Governor Inslee in Washington, um, and of course, uh, a large fraction of your government, uh, that the evidence seems to be quite compelling, although still circumstantial, because we don't have a smoking gun of a uh, FOIA'd email, uh, you know, Klaus telling Justin, dear Justin, good boy, um, please say this, uh, pat on the head. I got to say, Andrew, when I flew into Toronto uh, for the screening of uh, uninformed consent, 
I had this creepy feeling that by the time I finally made it down that long walkway to the central lobby, I was going to see black and red banners with Klaus Schwab's face on them. <laughs> we, you know, and, and you say that, and I, it, it sounded kind of uh, satirical, but we didn't mean it tongue-in-cheek. Matt and I actually did an episode not that long ago. We did a lengthy episode, about an hour and a half, and all we did is we made all these connections, whether it's climate stuff, Absolutely. whether it's pandemic response, and we, we with receipts, we highlighted that it appears, as you my, my opinion, earlier, I'll, that Canada is the vanguard is, of is. the WEF globalist it agenda. Is. And um, in my opinion, these people are agents of a, a cabal, a trade organization that represents the interest of the thousand largest companies. Of, of those, it's about 250 that really run the place. Um, and they should be registered as foreign agents. They are not really acting as citizens, loyal citizens of Canada or the United States. They're acting as foreign agents for a new political organization that is fundamentally fascist in the sense that fascism is corporatism. Um, and uh, so this corporatist, globalist, um, utilitarian Marxist-based organization that believes in global command economy, co command economy, and if they only had enough data, then they can optimize the world uh, and optimize the allocation of resources. And Justin and uh, also Christopher Freeland, I mean, what, what we saw them deploy over the last two years makes it very clear these are not uh, deep thinkers. These, these are not highly trained uh, um, economists, you know. Uh, Krista Friedland, she, she was an, a journalist. She's not an economist. These, these are puppets. Let's just call yes. them what they are. You guys yeah, have a been A drama infiltrated. teacher and a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they are. Absolutely. Um, okay, I want to play one more clip. Uh, it's going to be in the same ilk. Break softballs for you. This is from Teresa Tam, who is the head. She's our Dr. Fauci here in Canada. And she has uh, all the charm of a wet paper bag. But we're going to Just as creepy. Just as creepy just and evil. In a different way, yeah. though. In like yeah. a skeleton witch type of way. Um, so so let's play, play clip this, three. this clip. <laughs> COVID-19 vaccines have helped protect us and helped us get back to the things we missed. Over time, that protection fades. Additional doses give you better protection against severe illness and potentially long-term complications. Let's continue to take action. Keep your COVID-19 vaccinations up to date. A message from the Government of Canada. I mean, the production value of the propaganda, you have well, to give actually, them props. Actually, it's very yeah, well put we together. Had, you know, but the, the CDC and HHS and, and uh, NSA had over a billion dollars that they spent in the United States, so we had full Broadway productions. Um, you'll notice in that propaganda clip uh, the use of the weasel words. Vaccines helped, right? Um, can, might... Um, these euphemisms, okay, because there are no data. There's, there's no data supporting what she's saying. And you can't hit her for fraud because she used these weasel words. If she had real data, she would have used much stronger language. 
but there aren't real data to support the claims that she's inferring. Um, and this is classic government propaganda. And, and, you know, learn to know it when you see it. it that, that's I keep saying to people, look, don't take what I say as the truth. Don't take what anybody says as the truth. Learn to think for yourself. Learn those logical fallacies and become an independent thinker if you care to be free. And the deep, dark truth is, as taught by Matthias Desmet and the literature of centuries, only 10% of people want to be free. And the rest want to be told what to do. And the ugly truth is that if you want to run a totalitarian government, the lesson of the centuries is you want to run the harshest government you can. People want to have... Um, a bad daddy. Uh, they want to be told what to do. Uh, and, and it gives them a sense of security for those that don't care, that, that want to be told what to do and don't care about freedom. Um, and that's, that's what's been shocking to me about what's happened in Canada, is I assumed Canada was a land of uh, free living, freedom loving, um, outdoors folks, uh, that had a strong agricultural background. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the same thing has happened in the United States has happened in Canada. You've had the development of these urban centers. And one thing we haven't talked about, maybe on some future one, is uh, the, the, the new class structure. Low, middle, upper class is so yesterday, okay? Um, what we have is the people that live in the real world, um, and we have the virtuals, the laptop class. And then we have this tiny, tiny echelon of overlords. Um, and uh, it's the laptop class has a whole different way of looking at the world. They look at the world as, this, this is where the um, transsexualism comes from, the belief system that uh, reality is what you define it to be. That's what living in the virtual world teaches. If you live in the real world, you know that if you hit your thumb with a hammer, it hurts. But if you live in the virtual world, um, you know, it's a matter of perception, uh, to, you know, to just give a trivial example. Um, and that's what has taken over is that the laptop class, the virtuals, control your finance system, and you guys and control government and control journalism. And, uh, and you've seen that. And, and they believe that um, the uh, people that live in the physical world, that do things like milk cows and get in hay and grow corn um, and uh, treat patients, um, uh, they're expendable. That can be automated. That can be um, handled through robotics. Now, I think they're going to have a real hard awakening because I think the laptop class is actually being snookered because they're actually the ones that are most easily displaced and gotten rid of. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and That's I, what we found in the last two I, and a half years I, that the people who devoted themselves to their own vegetable garden, self-sustaining, the people who maintain relationships and physical interaction, who didn't lock themselves away, show themselves to be the people that were the least dependent upon daddy God government, mm -hmm. that they could take care of themselves. Yeah. And you alluded to this, that 
the people who want to be free understand that that is that requires responsibility and hard work and the people who are willing to put in that hard work and take responsibility for their own well-beings are not easily controlled Mm -hmm. manipulated and run under the government thumb it's the people who are living in the metaverse yeah who and, are and the truckers the about. truckers um, were the first embodiment really globally apparent embodiment of this mm-hmm. tension between those that live in the real world and those that live in the virtual world um and absolutely. so and that's why they hated the truckers absolutely. so much absolutely yeah Absolutely, because ultimately it's it's a it's a competing. We're Christians on the program. All our all our uh, uh, content comes from a, a biblically informed Protestant Reformed Christian worldview, and that's what we're dealing with. Ultimately, is these two competing views of the world, and they're ultimately uh, at heart religious. And what you're explaining, uh, Dr. Malone, is ultimately this new religion with these global elites, the, the laptop classes oh, you've called it's them. It's more than a religion, it, Matthew. Um, yeah. Harari, yeah. Harari says it directly. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, he, he says overtly that they are becoming the new gods. That man, yeah, exactly. man is the new god. This is—it's not subtle. Mm-hmm. He's not hiding yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. He and and this is what also underlies the transhumanism, the belief mm-hmm. now that basically God is dead, um, man is God, yes. and mm-hmm. man has. It is the hubris is just profound. Yeah. Man has enough yeah, knowledge. Essentially, man is creator. Man is creator now, and we live in this elk. Gnostic alchemic world where we have to break man out of this mundane existence to like get to the the gold that lays inside the divine that lays inside that so it is ultimately a biblical heresy that that's obviously dealt with quite a bit in the scriptures um and there it's just the new modern package of it is there are the 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 gnostics who have this um secret knowledge to help man transcend the limits of his creatureliness so that he can like you've said dr malone be god it's i mean it's going back to the garden it's it's the very same thing the serpent uh, talks about what what blows my mind is they seem to have no self-awareness of what they're saying Mm. um Mm. it's just uh that man has the power to both define and create reality which is not, I mean, when when whenever human beings, whenever very powerful people in the history of humanity have come to the point where they said they can redefine what is true, they can redefine humanity, they can create their reality, time after time throughout the annals of history, all we see is devastation and destruction and the ruin of human life and the collapse of empires. The moment this very small group of evil elites think we can be just like God. Mm-hmm. We don't need God anymore. That never equals the flourishing mm-hmm. and the growth and the happiness. It's always destructive. Yeah. Yeah. It's always and, and evil we have run a, rampant. A wealth of literature in in particularly movies. Um, but I like to cite Bruce Sterling in his classic uh, novels about the tension between the mechs and the shapers. So this is cyberpunk literature. And then, of course, we've got Terminator and the Immortal Matrix series that that 
really dive into the implications of this world, uh, this this logic st uh, structure. Um, you know, for those that don't want to read the book, uh, but um, I I think that that you're right. Uh, we've seen this movie before, again and again and again, and that's why I like to use the phrase there. The let's just take a allow me to take just a moment to unpack the vision that they see economically, okay? Because we have these buzzwords. You hear. You will own nothing and be happy. What does that mean? What's really behind that? Okay. What's behind it is a new business model. This is not just words. It's not just propaganda. It's a business model. The business model involves um, increased centralization of ownership of all assets and resources. Okay. So they believe that all assets and resources should be owned by a small, smaller number of persons um, and that those persons would responsibly allocate them for the benefit of humanity using a business model that is basically a rent-based business, business model. Okay, you will, know, you will not own anything. The resources will be allocated um, to your needs, right? Uh, this is Marxism, okay? Um, and the and this this small couture of I call them overlords that will control all the resources will use this rent-based model to more efficiently allocate resources based on having a much more comprehensive data set on everything, okay? So and the use of uh, deep learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence-based algorithms to determine um, the, the optimal outcome uh, for all of us. This is utilitarian, right? Um, uh, so this is utilitarian Marxism based on a command economy. They will be able to say, you will make this much pipe this many pounds of pipe, you know, the former Soviet Union and all the problems associated with that. And they will do this from presumably Davos, Brussels, um, a city in China. I don't know. Um, right. Uh, so that there will be this small central group um, closely aligned with the Bank of International Settlements, which is the organization that's now trying to roll out the um, central bank digital currency that would be based on your uh, individual ID and your access to it will be controlled through your social credit score. And as you saw with what happened with the weaponization of the banking system, under this theory, this structure, they will basically provide you a guaranteed minimum income and uh, you will have to spend it. You will spend it or you will lose it. You will spend it on the things that they tell you to spend it on. And if you don't behave, you won't be able to spend it or you won't be able to spend it on certain things. So this allows the corralling of all kinds of resources, petroleum, uh, um, luxury goods, uh, air travel, whatever. You'll be told, you know, you can only travel within so much distance, all for your own good, um, you know, for the, for the environment, uh, for your neighbors. Um, notice that yeah, it just right. Father loves us. Big brother loves us. Um, this is right. And, and so that's, uh, you know, to, if you, once you unpack all of this, that's where you get down to. 
is that's the vision. Um, it's a very old vision. We've seen it fail again and again and again. And it is predicated on um, the loss of human sovereignty and autonomy. Yes. And human identity. Yeah, and, and this is this is why Matt, when Matt talks about, you know, when Matt was talking about the competing worldviews, the only foundation, and, and, and because they reject, because they wholly reject God and his design completely, mm -hmm. they really have no basis for human dignity, worth, and value. Because if Precisely. we are just nothing but the result of random processes over time, then we're just highly and, and this is evolved the, so and this, very you'll, complex you'll bags of carbon. recall that I keep saying these three words, right? Integrity, dignity, integrity, dignity, and community, okay? So we don't need an, a community is a actually a problem. We want to break community apart because that that makes it more difficult to control the individual. Um, uh, human dignity. Literally said that in New Brunswick, right? The premier of New Brunswick said we didn't want people getting together during COVID in churches because they could talk about the lockdowns and come to a consensus that we don't want them to come to. That's literally what they yeah, said. It's, so it's, continue. It's, so, so she she inadvertently spoke the truth, um, and mm -hmm. uh, and underlying this is the logic that the ends justify the means, right? Um, mm -hmm. And therefore, integrity is irrelevant. There's no reason mm -hmm. to not lie. That's, that's how uh, Justin Trudeau can get up in the morning and look himself in the mirror and come out on stage and lie and lie and lie is because um, lying is just another thing. It's just another fungible reality. Um, and mm -hmm. it's absolutely not necessary to maintain any integrity to uh, objective truth because he lives in a virtual world. Mm -hmm. And it's thoroughly Machiavellian. Yeah, it's I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. What we're seeing is the, the same spirit of um, the, the, the serpent in the garden, uh, the same reason that man fell into the folly of cosmic treason and original sin. It's the very same attitude that God broke up and dispersed at the Tower of Babel. And it's coming. Now, they think because of technology Precisely. and That's algorithms, the new thing. They've, they've overcome that, human that limitations. Socialism, socialism yes. and Marxism never worked because we just didn't have the technology and the data. Mm -hmm. But now that we can, exactly. now and we they, can make it work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They think they can they think they can push the boundaries that there there are clear boundaries and limitations and and we would say objective absolute laws and truths that govern our universe that you can't go beyond that. Mm -hmm. Right? There are economic truths, there are moral truths, there are logical truths and realities that you can only stretch it so far. Mm -hmm. And what they're seeing is when you try to stretch beyond the bounds that hold our universe together in the same way that you would take, you know, a copy of Windows 10 and just switch a few ones and zeros around and think, oh, the thing will still work. <laughs> no, it's, it's well, total chaos. Well, if I can riff off that, of that, they're Andrew, trying to push against yeah, if I can riff off of that, um, one way to look at the Bible, there's many ways to look at the Bible, and to the Judeo-Christian uh, ethic, um, is that it represents an evolved, adaptive um, system for human beings uh, to coexist um, that has been in place for centuries and centuries, really millennia, um, and has proven over time 
there pro- I'm sure there were sections of the Bible that at some point somebody threw out. They said, that's not useful. Let's get rid of that one. Um, uh, but be that as it may, whatever your belief structure is, it, it, it is a sum of human experience over centuries and centuries and centuries. And the logic that somehow, instead of this uh, time-tested system that has proven effective in maintaining uh, human happiness, uh, success, uh, generational integrity, all of those things allowed us to coexist. Yeah, all those things. Then we, we, it, we're so brilliant that in our lifespan, we, I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically for those that believe that they can um, toss these things out the window and come up with a better way. Um, in our lifespan, uh, we can uh, jettison that, build a whole new structure de novo, and not cause enormous amounts of disruption and grief. It is profoundly arrogant. It discounts the collective experience of not just of our parents, but of generations and generations and generations of humans in the Western tradition that have used these principles effectively in their lives, um, in their businesses, in their cultures, in their cities, in their farms. Um, and uh, the logic is we can just throw all that out and apply machine algorithms. It is, it is absurd. Yeah, it's what that's C.S. Why Matt Lewis up what happened. called chronological Go snobbery, right? That's what C.S. Yeah. Lewis called chronological snobbery, and it it is just unbelievably it's a, it's an unbelievable amount of hubris. And while we wouldn't obviously on the program take that view of the Bible in that way, you make a very good point that the jettisoning of of this history of ancient wisdom of the wisdom of our forefathers is you know up front and center. Uh, to this new transhumanistic global uh, list movement that is is trying to thrust us into a new fourth industrial enviro communistic fascist uh, fourth industrial revolution. That's what we're going through right now, Andrew. Yeah, and Matt Matt bringing up the garden. It, it's funny that the scriptures themselves reveal the problem that you've just addressed, right? Because we, I mean, we believe that. The scriptures are Revealed the truth, breathed right? out word yeah. of God, mm-hmm. and that, and and I, I I believe and we believe that what we read in the first twelve chapters, the first fifty chapters of the Bible, are to be taken literally as a historical unpacking. And what we see there in the garden is the problem that you've just brought up, because God creates the universe, and then He says to Adam and Eve, "I've made the universe and the world to work a certain way. You're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to have more kids because there's a whole lot of room on this earth." And you're supposed to explore and have dominion and responsibility for this world I've created. But he says, but there are limitations to it. And if you go against those, you'll see destruction. And then what is it that the snake says to Adam and Eve? Did God really say this? Mm -hmm. And so the lie of the serpent is to come to Adam and Eve and say, God's limitations, God's structures are actually not real. And if you do what God tells you not to do, he specifically says you will be like God yourself. Yeah. He's afraid God He's afraid to, that you're going to be like God. He's holding you back exactly. from becoming like him. And so the lie of the serpent, which is you can be just like God, 
if you press against the boundaries he's put, mm -hmm. everything will be great. And obviously they disobey God and it plunges the world into sin and ruin. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're seeing over and over again is people saying God's made the world a certain way, but we can be like God and we don't have to adhere to his that, limitations that is, that and his restrictions. And it's just chaos. That is literally what Harari says. Yeah, yeah, right. literally. Like taking the he words a, out of the snake. serpent. He, yeah. He's of he his is father. A snake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, this is a great discussion. This is not where I thought it would go, Dr. Malone. <laughs> I but... told you, I told you at the top it was gonna be one of our best, yeah. one of our favorites. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed well, this. I, I I've appreciated yeah. Dr. Malone's stuff. I knew it was gonna be a banger, but I didn't know we were gonna get into this territory. Dr. Malone, thank you so much. On behalf of, as Andrew said at the top, our entire viewership, listeners. You have been a vo voice of sanity, of clarity, and of, of courage, of conviction. And boy, do we need a lot more of that in our day and age. So we really enjoyed just spending uh, over an hour with you and getting to know you. And we pray that God will bless what you're doing, that he will uh, help give you a steel spine because you've been put through the ringer. And we're, we just hope uh, that this is not the last of the conversations we will have with you. Where can people find you? Where can we point them to on your social media, websites? Where can people keep in touch with what you're doing and, and where you're appearing and where you're speaking, all that sort of stuff? Oh, boy. Uh, the travel itinerary between now and the end of December is wicked. <laughs> um, it's, uh, How about uh, Twitter, website, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, that sort of I, stuff? Where I was can we hit summarily deplatformed from Twitter right before the Rogan hit. Uh, be oh, and, yes. That's and we right. actually filed a lawsuit against that. And uh, the the Twitter Audi uh, revealed that uh, my my final sin, and I had no warning; they just cut me off, was that I uh, um, posted a link to the Canadian COVID Care Alliance uh, um, right uh, video. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry the Canada did you dirty. I am not sorry. <laughs> yeah. it, that yeah. video right. about the Pfizer clinical trials was dead on. It was technically precisely accurate. And I'm proud to be able to say that is why Twitter kicked mm -hmm. me off. LinkedIn, I don't know why they did it. Uh, probably the government was involved or Pfizer or something or who knows. Um, uh, so it's Getter, Gab, and Truth Social at RW Malone MD. But our main feed you can go to directly is rwmalonemd.substack.com. And you don't have to pay to subscribe. It'll come directly in your email inbox. Although if you're using a Microsoft product, it will go into your spam. Um, so you have to reroute it. Uh, or you can just dial in directly and view it. It's free. The one little tiny firewall we put up is that only subscribers can um, participate in the chat for each of those, although they can participate in the chat in the social media forums where I post them. Uh, but what that does is it, for those that want to pay the five bucks a month, uh, it makes it so that the chat room associated with each article is protected from the trollery. Um, and it's, it's really enabled uh, the development of a, of a strong community of people that, that interact with each other. Um, and often uh, there's a lot more that goes on intellectually in the chats than in the uh, topic. 
Uh, and then the the book is coming out. You can pre-buy, I'm sorry to say, from Amazon because Amazon owns everything now. Um, and that's The Lies My Government Told Me in the Better Times Ahead. And that'll come out first in Kindle. And the Kindle price is really modest. Um, so, uh, But Tony Lyons and Skyhorse Publishing and Children's Health Defense have put huge amount of labor. You know, Jill and I did, but we did it kind of as a public service. But um, those guys need to get paid. Uh, so uh, don't begrudge them their nickel, please. Uh, I'm not getting, <laughs> Jill and I aren't getting much from the book, but uh, they. Make sure that you address my autograph copy to my dearest Canadian friends. <laughs> Stay warm and mask free, <laughs> Robert. Okay, uh, you'll if, have if you could put send that, me a text that would be on tremendous. that. And uh, <laughs> yes, I will. And, and I do have. To... You might have to pay for you. You have to might have to subscribe to the Substack. I'll pay for, for it. I will. I, to, I will pay for it to get that. I will put that upon my trophy mantle. Absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, Doctor Malone. I yeah, I'm I'm so thankful for your time with us for the conversation. And, and even your willingness uh, to, to, to talk about and to broach issues of philosophy, to even say something as daring as these ideologies or what we're seeing even in the transgender mania, like to go into these areas, which, by the way, will probably make it so that this won't air on YouTube. <laughs> these are exactly well, uh, the you, sort of my things name, My name that is we're toxic on about. YouTube and Facebook, yeah. so you might as well just park right. that. <laughs> yeah, but just being able, being willing and open to talk about not just medical issues, but the broader social issues that contribute to it or are the result of mm -hmm. this medical tyranny. These are exactly the sort of things we need to be talking about. People need to have their eyes open to what's really going on and understand that uh, there is a good, healthy skepticism and a good bit of individual responsibility and work to be done to be a free citizen and to not find yourself totally owned by the lies and propaganda. So we are grateful for you taking some time to join us in that endeavor here on the Liberty Dispatch. Super. And, and uh, so here's the pushback, the favor I ask. Um, uh, rumor has it, it could be that there could be a one-year anniversary Rogan hit with Malone. And so uh, please advocate for that. Yes. What, what what's the Let's, date for yeah. that ish? Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, one year. If if it okay. was to be one year anniversary, it would be at the very if, end of, of December. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well. We we have we'll your email. Touch, we'll make sure absolutely. that we. Yeah. If. Yes. If. So. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, brother. Thank you so much. God bless you. We really appreciate your time, and we hope uh, that God blesses you richly in all your endeavors. Thank you. Be good. God guys. bless. So my favorite part of the interview was actually right at the top when he responds to Dr. Karen Moore. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recall what what Dr. Malone said, but it reminded me of that moment from Billy Madison at the end of the movie when he gives the answer, and then the principal says, So I'll say, Dr. Moore, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> that's what I thought about when yeah. when Doctor Malone responded. Like that's I just I just saw that moment, um, and I, I thought it was beautiful. What a great interview with Dr. Malone. We're so thankful, uh, Dr. Malone, that you gave us so much of your time and 
listen, the, the interview took a different uh, direction altogether than I thought it might go. Uh, but we're so thankful that he is thinking through these things consequentially. He's uh, he's an, a, an, analyzing not only the danger of the vaccines and how they were rolled out and all the everything that's gone on there, but how that fits into a broader agenda and a broader program. So we're so thankful for him and his analysis and the fact that he brings a sober-minded expertise to this this issue. Um, so again, like I said at the start of the program, before we got to the inter- interview, you're going to want to share this program with everybody. Please don't just watch it. Share it with five friends. Everybody and a little hint, by the way, this. a little practical hint. When you share stuff on Facebook, okay, so from now on, our, our audience, when you share stuff on Facebook, don't share the link in your post because Facebook, one, will probably shadow ban or throttle it because they don't like the content or Facebook's algorithm r- algorithms are actually set that if you share a link in your comment or in, sorry, if you share a link in your post, it'll limit its exposure. So what you should do is post on your Facebook comment saying, hey, great interview with Dr. Malone, and then say link in the comments, and then comment on your own post and put the link there. Yeah, I'm telling you, you'll it'll get more, it'll get more exposure, it won't get throttled, and Facebook's algorithms won't be able to put a muzzle on it. Yeah. So put the put the link in your comments and then talk about what it is in your post. So that's how you can really help to spread it even more so Facebook won't put a leash on it. Absolutely. And it's so very important. I do really think that this information is of the utmost importance. And it's really more than we could have ever imagined when we even had this discussion, Andrew, a matter of life and death. Mm -hmm. It truly, truly is. I'll also say this before Matt closes us out. This is one of the reasons why we would ask you to please consider donating to the Liberty Coalition Canada and supporting us so that we can bring you this content, right? You haven't heard about the fact that the the unknown causes of death have spiked all over the country and and those numbers, you haven't heard that from anyone else, but you've heard it from us. We've done the digging, we found it for you, being able to interview Dr. Malone the way that we did. So we, we want to do more. We want to do more of these interviews with credible professionals and experts. We want to bring you more content. We want to bring you more shows. We've partnered with the Christian Week, which means now not only do we have the ability to venture into our own journalism and op-eds and news release in the written world, but it also means that if you donate to the analysis shows podcast arm of Liberty Coalition Canada, you can receive a charitable receipt. So when you go to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate, make sure you select the analysis shows tab at the top, and then any donation to the podcast, to the news arm of Liberty Coalition Canada, you'll get a charitable receipt. We have a a lofty goal. We would like to raise $400,000. I know that's a little bit higher. Like, wait, I thought it was $300,000. Why are you guys asking for more money? Well, in part, it's because as we're thinking through other people that we want to bring on staff thinking through the more legal work we need to do that this is our th- this is really the way that we're going to be able to meet all those needs for salary for operations for expenses for materials and again 
It's not because we want to upgrade our cars and it's not because I'm unhappy with my current camera and laptop setup. It's not that at all. It's because we want to be able to do more of this. We want to go to more conferences. We want to bring you more news and analysis. Again, more shows, more content. So please, please consider supporting us. Consider donating at libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. So thank you so much for, for joining us on The Dispatch. We're so thankful that we were joined by Dr. Malone. Um, we do hope you share this broadly with uh, your friends, your families, and your, your enemies, maybe some of your detractors as well. Um, but until next time, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.